Okay, um, so today, me and Alexa are going to talk about Charles Manson. Yes. (laughs) And how did you feel about the case? Because it was pretty crazy. Okay, so I had emotions everywhere. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah. Um, I feel bad about his, like, childhood, but... I also don't at the same time because of everything bad he did. Right. Um, so like, I would feel bad if I saw his mom and him just like walking around. Right. And I knew um, his backstory. But okay. now that I know what he did, I don't quite feel as bad. Yeah, no, um, I totally understand. Um, talking about the subject of his backstory and how sad it is, you need to understand that just because someone had something bad happen to them or something horrible, I don't know what <laughs> what to use to describe the situation, it does not mean that it excuses bad behavior. Yeah. But it also doesn't mean that you have to go and <laughs> be like your whole backstory doesn't matter. It means that you acknowledge something bad happened and you also acknowledge that they did not handle it properly. Yes, and you, yeah, you have to acknowledge their backstory and, like, understand what they went through at the time, but then you also have to understand that it's not always, like, it's not always as bad um, as Um, they might make it out to be, too. (laughs) Um, yeah, circles do lie, but I always believe them, because at that time, they were laying about them, they're victims, but... Just because you are a victim does not mean you can become a monster. And exactly yeah, this is not an excuse. <laughs> There's this quote with criminal lines that we both we both overshare because obviously mm-hmm. we like crime stuff. And it's from Derek Morgan. And it says, Yes, there are monsters and it's okay to be afraid of them. It's not okay to let them win and it's not okay to become one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what I felt from that quote was basically that even though he did have horrible experiences, it does not mean it's okay for him to become one of the horrible experiences. Yes. Um, yeah, so anyway, talking about his horrible backstory, let's start explaining some of those details. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, so, would you want to go first? Um, actually, you could go. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> okay. So, um, one thing you that he was born at a very young age. Um, so that's one thing to take note of. Um, and so when he was... So, okay, his mom was a 16-year-old hooker who had gotten pregnant. Yeah, he was um, an unwanted child, basically. Yeah, he was a mistake. Yeah, that's so what he was. Basically, the whole thing sort of revolves around him being unwanted. It's sort of like... It, it revolves around him, like, being rejected, unwanted, all of that good stuff, bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so you want to know that for the rest of the story. Yes. Um, um, yeah, so... He also said during his childhood, living with his mother, he was sexually brutalized. Yeah. Who we don't know. But it doesn't say, like, we tried to find it, or, um, Cortana here tried to find it. <laughs> yeah. Because I forgot about it. Um, um, 
Yeah. But, yes, we don't know who, but he was. Yeah, so, he, he happened to him, except, and he was raised by relatives because, can you explain why he was? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> or allegedly <laughs> happened? <laughs> okay, so, yes, his mom once, like, allegedly, his mom once tried to sell him to a uh, babyless waitress. waitress leader. Uh, yeah. sorry, a babyless waitress. Yeah. Um, in return for, like, a pitcher of beer or something. Yeah. Um, and some people say, or theorize, or whatever you want to call it, that it did go through. Like, she did go through with it. But we don't know that for sure. Yeah, um, so if she did go through with it, the story is that when she did, her brother, his uncle, had to go and find him and track him down and came back from the waitresses, and that's how he ended up living with relatives. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is so sad. It is sad, it is. It's, it's horrible. And especially the fact that he was either a baby or, like, three, like, two or three-ish. Yeah, he was either, like, super small, or he was, like, in his taller years, his taller years, or whatever. But, like, it was sad. But moving on, so we don't dwell on that subject. <laughs> I don't think he was old enough to remember it, though. No, he was He was most definitely not old enough to be, like, what? Yeah, because he was probably, like, two or something. Yeah. He was at an age where he wouldn't remember. Which is good for him. Yeah. He probably, because I think everything would have gotten so much worse if he remembered it. <laughs> right. Like, just um, the fact that his mom tried to sell him for beer. Right. Um, like, that's bad. So, either way, he knew that his mother didn't want him, because he did end up living with relatives, whatever happened during that time, whether it was that his mother sold him or not, he ended up living with relatives, and <laughs> what happened after that was he started on a series of crimes. He, he has a raft of theft and armed robberies. When he was super young. And during those times, he was passed through several institutions where he was Mm -hmm. also said, again, to be sexually brutalized. So, it happened more than one time. Yeah, it happened multiple times. Yeah, um, and And then that's when he would start, um, pimping out young women, minors. (laughs) Probably, probably doing out of revenge. Out of the men or women, whoever did it to him, whatever happened. Well, I'm not gonna theorize on that because we don't know what yeah, happened. Yeah, we don't know for sure, yeah. and we don't want to just go throwing around ideas. <laughs> yeah, so That's not good. basically, with his pimping out, he will take advantage of young runaways or young people that are not in the right state of mind and could be yes. easily manipulated. And he would, yeah. you know, after that, once they would want out, he wouldn't let them out. <laughs> but yeah, that's mm-hmm. basically what happened. And that was in the 1950s. And sometimes in the 1960s, he got arrested. Yeah. Which, okay, um, we try to find the reason, I swear. <laughs> yeah, um, like, okay, so you, you listeners have to understand that there's not a lot of stuff that we can confirm Right. Like, we just have a little bit from the backstory of what we talked about and um, some in the future of what we're going to talk about in a while. 
Yeah. But we can't just say stuff because people want us to. Yeah. Like, we just can't say that he, like, he had all this really bad stuff happen to him, and that's why he did what he did, because that's not true. Yeah, um, so... He got arrested in the 1960s. That's 10 years after he started pimping that woman. Right now, I'm going to assume that's the reason, but we're not for sure. It was never confirmed or denied <laughs> that mm-hmm. that was the reason. But when he, was, he got arrested for seven years? Yeah, it was seven years. He was arrested. Yeah. During prison, he took an interest in Scientology when he started auditing, which is therapy for people who are in the Scientology religion. Is Scientology, do they call it a religion? I don't want to do it, but like... <laughs> um, I think they call it a religion, but I think different people might call it different things, but we can just go with religion. Yeah, so that's when he um, started doing music, and his music was, he had Scientology embedded in it. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what happened. Can you tell us what happened after he got arrested and who he met and stuff like that? I mean, after um, he got out of prison yeah, in 1967. Okay. Yeah, so when he got out of prison, it wasn't, like, the same place as when it was in the 1960s. Uh, 1960. Um, it was pretty different because... There was a lot of teenagers and young adults um, who were doing drugs. Um, I think more specifically LSD. Yeah. Um, and we don't know like if it was like ninety percent or like everyone or <laughs> no, it was like that. But it was um, okay. So they did a clinic study where they had yeah. people come in out of all ninety eight percent of them. It was where you used to found LSD. What doctor was it? Because I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I believe if, like, according to my notes, um, I think it was Dr. David Smith. Oh, okay. So, Dr. David Smith did uh, the study. I'm not 100% on that. I think, I think it was him, but yeah. Okay, so, most likely it was Mr. Smith, I mean Dr. Smith, mm-hmm. and he did a study where young people would come in the clinic and 98% of them used or have tried LSD. Uh-huh, and like 90% of them were in there because of LSD. Yeah, um, so during this whole time, it's when, I don't know what word to use besides hippies, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that's what a lot of people would describe them as. Yeah, so what the hippie culture allowed young people to was feel free, because at the time, they were really on strict, and this is quote-unquote from the documentary we watched, which would be on our website, all of our resources, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, they, they felt like they wanted a tight leash from their parents, and the hippie culture just allowed them to feel free and, like, young adults, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, like, even teenagers would be treated as adults, which obviously isn't good, so, like, parents, please keep an eye on your kids. Yeah, but, like, don't make them... But don't be super strict, because that will just, like, trust me, it will just lead to them rebelling, which you don't want. Right. Um, So... Uh, <laughs> when he's out of prison, he meets Phil 
Excuse me if I'm saying this wrong. Kaufman? Kaufman? <laughs> Kaufman, yeah. Kaufman, okay. Um, in early 1967, when he got out, um, Kaufman was arrested for muggling. Muggling. Yeah, so, actually, he was in the documentary. He never got arrested, and you'll find out the reason why later. Why he wasn't too involved with them. But yeah, he's in the documentary. You know they immediately become friends and whatnot. Yeah. Um, out of prison, this um, is... Oh, and I believe this is um, after he met all of his cult friends. Um, is Phil Hoffman um, introduces or introduced... Uh, Charlie Manson. Wait, let's not mention Manson. that now. I think that should be a little later. <laughs> after oh, the I thought it was. I thought it was, like, right before. No, no, it was, like, right after he met the cult members. He was in the cult at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So, talking about he was in the cult at the time, like, we just discussed. And, yeah. um, so right now, um, such as bars, Alexa is gonna tell us about Susan's background. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... Uh, her name was Susan Atlas, and, um, <laughs> Susan Atkins, yeah, sorry, Atkins, 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 yeah, um, I'm bad with names, I'm sorry, um, so Susan Atkins, I don't have that much in my notes, I'm not sure if the documentary went over it a lot, um, but I don't have that much, what do you have I in just, notes, because I do have some notes about her, um, I have, like, I think they're scattered, but um, she she found Manson in 1967, mm-hmm. um, and he had renamed her Sadie. Okay, yeah, so before we get into her new name and her new life, I do have a background, because they did go over it, and it was, I, I think it's pretty important to, like, what I want this episode to be sort of focused on about mental health. <laughs> Happens suffered abuse because she came from a broken home. Mm -hmm. She suffered abuse from the hand of her dad. And her mother, she really went through a hard phase when she died. So she was really struggling through that. So she's, right now, like again, she's not in the right mental state. She was also a go-go dancer, a topless go-go dancer. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Um... Future me would be explaining what that is when I'm editing. I don't feel like it would matter. dancer who performs in places such as bars, dancing energetically in a sexually exciting manner while wearing very little clothing. Like how he took advantage of her mental state was by being like a father figure. Like yeah, her father wasn't. And that's what they were discussing in the documentary. Do you have anything on Patricia? Because I do, but I want to know what you have. Yeah, so I have a little bit about Patricia. So, um, I don't have when she met Manson, but I think it was around the same time, 1967-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, she didn't have the best family life. Um, her sister was an extre- extreme drug user, um, which affected Patricia's mental health. Right. A lot. And she also... She also had body image issues because she had extreme body hair. Yeah, like it was an actual condition. It's not like just... Yeah, like, I don't remember the name of it, but right. it's an actual condition 
um, that makes you have, like, a lot, like, ten times as much body hair as we have. Right. <laughs> it's just um, a lot of hair. And obviously, as a girl, especially back then. Um, yeah, back then there was, I think there was, I feel like there was more of a social beauty perspective. Like, their perspective of beauty was a lot higher their standards than it is now it was yeah it was more you should be feminine like you shouldn't have hair like things like that yeah. so for her to struggle through that like even though we're struggling through that right now it was worse then but um uh-huh. for her to struggle through that during that time must have been horrid she was also still a teenager so like high school years and it's just horrible to even yeah. imagine going through yeah Okay, so what happened after we went through her backstory? Do you know how Manson met her? Um, Patricia? Yeah. Um, I had it somewhere, but I don't know what happened to it, so we can explain that. Okay, so how he took advantage of her unstable mental health, he took her, they met at, like, this beach. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was like a... Um, it wasn't, like, a beach beach that, I don't think it was, like, a beach that we have now, necessarily. No, it, it was a beach, it was just, like, it was a very, it was a beach where there was a lot of, like, houses, apartments, and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, like, um, I think in, uh, Santa Cruz, some of the beaches there have a lot of houses, like, right by the beach so it okay. kind of be like that yeah so what Madison did was he took her to an apartment and asked her to take off all her clothes which I do not appreciate she's a minor <laughs> but um, yeah and he, he he said to tell her that isn't that the most beautiful thing you ever seen and he got her by that, which I think, okay, it's sweet, like, the action itself, besides the fact that it's a pedophile act. Um, 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 oh, one, one thing about that is that would be child pornography. No, um, so no, don't, no, no, no. don't send me <laughs> as an underage child. Just yes. saying. Right, um, you, uh, got the, but, you got the right idea, just the wrong wording. Um, yeah. That's not child pornography, it's... No, it is. No, like, okay. that's the definition of child pornography. is a form of pornography showing children witches against the law in many countries. Child pornography is most often made by taking pictures or videos, or more rarely sound recordings. Nowadays, they didn't really have that back then. That is tra- sexual abuse. It's not pornography. <laughs> um, but pre-recording me will put the actual definition in. But I know it's different. You, you have the right idea, just like the wrong wording, per se. Because um, it, it would be two different things. One would be like you're actually there, one would be you just have like random pictures of other girls or even people you know. Okay, so anyway. Mm-hmm. So what I want to say is that this could have, a lot of this could have been avoided if you think about it. If someone just told her she was beautiful, like her own family, you know, or whatever, friends, family peers um she wouldn't have felt like she needed one person to do that and when that one person actually told her that she was beautiful like she was um she started clinging to him he was also now like a fatherly figure that's um actually a good point about so a lot of the people were gonna like in his cult um a lot of the people 
viewed him as a father figure, um, and that's what they would call him. Besides Tex, I'm so confused about him, because, like, he just went along with everything for no reason. He was like, y'all do. <laughs> yeah, but, um, okay, so most of the, all of the girls yeah, viewed yeah. him as a father figure. Yeah. At least, because we don't know if they're... Um, I don't think there was anybody else in the cult, but um, at least all of the girls viewed him as a father figure. Right. Um, okay, so um, next person yeah. would be Phil Coffin, which I'm pretty sure they rename him Tex later on, just so we're not confused later on when I start having him in my notes as Tex. But um, he joined up with the group, and right now I don't have a lot. Oh, he was a star basketball player. And he was very successful in school, so the, people, mm-hmm. um, the cops on the documentary that we watched, which, like, again, would be on our website listed, um, they said it was the LSD that made him start doing these things. Not made him, but, like, started him starting like, to stop focusing in school. Yeah, moved him along. Helped him. Yeah, it was like a little push. Yeah, a little push. So they got an old school bus and started roaming California and he's uh, Manson started recruiting girls with his music because I guess he was like smexy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know why but it was <laughs> um yeah so that's how he would like trap people and manipulate them and stuff yeah so um talking about his music is um this is what I said like earlier like 20 minutes ago um is so he got introduced to music producers and we talked about at the very beginning about how his mom rejected him as a a child um and as a kid uh they're the same thing (laughs) um but as a in his childhood he got rejected and uh, the music producers had also rejected him, which probably brought, brought back memories, and if they didn't do it in a nice way, then that would be bad for his, like, triggers, and, or, it would probably trigger stuff for him, Wait, um, um, and so that was probably a push. Talking about that week. subject of the music producers rejecting him, let's dive a little deeper into that. So what happened was... He actually met the Beach Boys in real life, and he was living with one of the members. Um, mm-hmm. I did not write that down because I found it on other websites, which was not included in the documentary. So obviously, we had to go and do a bunch of research. But what happened was, the dude the, from the Beach Boys was actually like, "Yo, this is sort of good," <laughs> which it actually is. <laughs> yeah, we were discussing it earlier, and we were like, "You know what? If he wasn't a serial killer and a horrible person." I might have listened to this. Um, yeah, and um, we'll include a bit of, like, one of his songs. I believe it was called, like, something, The More Girl or something. It was, yeah. like, More Something Something Girl. Yeah, um, um, and it was, be it was pretty good. It was actually pretty good. I was like... I said, like, I would listen to it. I said, I would listen to it. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. So it's only a clip. But yeah, so the Beach Boy introduced him to this director. Do you know the director's name? We should, we should start writing more names. <laughs> um, yeah, we have so many notes, guys, right. listeners. So sorry if you missed some stuff. Okay, so anyway. Uh, 
He was yeah. the director. Um, he met the director, and the director did not like it. Because of yeah, the fact that really he really didn't like it. <laughs> he yeah, didn't reject him in a mean way. I remember, like, what they said, but... I don't um, remember what they said, but I remember it was in a mean way. It was, like, in a super professional way. You know that way that makes you want to cry when you get rejected from your favorite school and you can't apply anymore because of color? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, we didn't go into that very much, but... Yeah, so... So, he was denied, which really sucked for him because he wanted to be professional and start bringing in, like, money for his cult. <laughs> yeah, but he wanted to quit. Yeah, but, so, like, back to rejection. Obviously, we're speculating. We don't actually know how he felt. <laughs> but yeah. we think it was, like, a trigger for him. Just yeah, not wanting to be, point. yeah, just like one of his breaking many breaking points, cause yeah, one of his many because <laughs> yeah. there were a bunch. Yeah. So okay, this is now we got another name mention, Barbara Hoyt. She is not a murderer. She was just a very confused young woman <laughs> who wanted to feel accepted, and those were her in her own words. We'll sort of, it's not an exact quote, but it's like summarizing what she was saying in the documentary. Um, so right now, I don't have it in my notes, but, like, I have researched it. She was granted immunity from prison for the fact that she didn't actually participate or know about the murders, and for the fact that she, um, was a a star witness, you know, for um, Mm -hmm. the Manson case. Yeah. Yeah, so she was so nice. We don't have a lot about her. She's more just, like, um, a person that sort of explains to you the vibe and what was happening there, and... Things like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> and I do want to touch on this subject. I'm going through my notes as we're talking about this. So, like, obviously, be prepared. <laughs> um, and um, I found this. I didn't remember writing this down, but apparently I did. And um, it was hard for them, for the girls. Like, when, when he got arrested, it was hard for them to change. Yeah. And, like... I don't um, have to say that now. We'll discuss that later. Like, yeah. Yeah. I do um, want, like, you listener people to, to like, remember that because I don't think a lot of people remember that. Right. No, totally. Um, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll be discussing that later, though. Um, we'll go more into depth of some of this stuff we just kind of randomly say. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is it called? So, we're talking about new members. So, the new members are Phil Kaufman and... Wait, not Phil Kaufman. I'm sorry. He wasn't actually the... Um, he, he wasn't actually the um, football player. I think it was Charles. Oh my god, it's just so confusing. But okay, anyway. So, Charles yeah. Tex and Leslie Van Houten. And she was described in the documentary as an American girl with an affluent family but she struggled with drug use um and charles was described as go lucky i don't really know what that means <laughs> really know what go lucky means but um so we're back to like these cult members family whatever but susan was renamed sadie and she was described by barbara as a free spirit um, so, 
you know, during all this time meeting the members and ending, Charles and Kaufman, Kaufman, <laughs> part mm-hmm. ways because they were Manson realized that he was not reprogramming. And basically, what reprogramming is is when you would revert the people to a childlike state by teaching them that everything they learned in school and by their families and by their peers were wrong. Yeah. So they it's decided like unteach- to do it. It's unteaching yeah. them everything they learned, basically. And what's his name? Manson realized that um, <coughs> that Kaufman, Kaufman or whatever, would um. How do you say? <laughs> Kaufman wouldn't reprogram, and Kaufman realized that Manson wanted him to be like, "Oh my God, this is like my savior, my God," you know. Mm-hmm. And he was and like, he "I didn't want that." Yeah, he wouldn't, and so they parted ways. It wasn't hostile; it was more like just an acknowledgement that he was not about to go jump off a cliff for someone. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, but yeah. So, um, and at that time, I believe it was at that time. Um, yeah. This is when, um, like, I think a little bit after that is when he started feeling very powerful, like, um, yeah. more He started getting cocky, yeah. And he would describe himself as sometimes it would be God or it would be the devil. Yeah. He would be like, oh my God, he was God. Yeah, and, yeah, so he was a very confusing character. Mm-hmm. I hate that word, but I'm confusing. Okay, um, so, um, <laughs> in 1986, Dr. David studied the group and Manson, and he thought that Manson was delusional and borderline psychotic. Which, um, that's actually... That's actually a good point, because I think that at a young age, it did kind of program him to be like that. Yeah. Like, and I don't like using the word program, but that's basically what it did. It made him think that it was like, like, once he had his cult, he felt really almost, I don't know how they describe it, but, like, maybe safe? Um, I don't, I don't that he had... That he had people to, like, who liked him? No, I don't, like, okay, so the reason I disagree with that is because I think it's more like the fact that his whole life he was rejected. So, like, like he's alive, but I would be more, like, accepting. So, once people started yeah. accepting him, he started feeding on that power, and it just got to a point where he thought well, he was God. Yeah, God he was power hungry. Right, he was power hungry. And he was on an ego trip. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so basically when he started saying the same thing, just on the part that he felt like he loved, I don't think he generally felt loved because it was, they were like children. Yeah. <laughs> he had to like pre-program them and obviously we know the state because of our and zombie apocalypse plan. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Okay. um, And and that's another thing is the fact that he knew that he made them think whatever he wanted them to think. He was a narcissist. Yeah. Yeah. And and he knew that whatever they thought was what he wanted them to think and not their own free will. Yeah. He he got off of that. Like 
yeah. he felt so powerful as a narcissist will. And, um, yeah, so it was just bad. But moving on so we don't... Uh-huh. We're going to spend forever on this stuff. Right? I don't move on. Okay, so in 1969, a year later after Dr. David studied the group, he began preaching an Armageddon gospel. He called it Helter Skelter, which he got off of a Beach Boy song that he took out of context. And can mm-hmm. you sort of explain what he thought Helter Skelter was or what he... He didn't believe in it, but so other people believe. Yes. So, um, I don't know exactly what he thought about Hunter Skelter because I couldn't find very much on that one subject. But he didn't believe in it. Um, that he talks to his quote children. Yeah. Um, about it. About he talked to his close about it, and the way that one of the one of the Survivor Girls, I forget her name, but the way she um, talked, she said it. that, yeah, yeah, um, the way she said what he said was, um, would God want all the flowers in the world to be the same color, and he made it seem like a beautiful thing. Yeah, um, she was like, uh, if you look back on it, she's like, oh my god, I feel horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I but, I mean, to be honest, if, if, like, my, if my dad... If I was younger and I believed in everything my dad said and I looked at him like like a god right. and he was always right and he said that, I would probably believe him. So I can't blame right. him. So, obviously once we get older and you start realizing stuff, like she did, she fixed herself. Like her own opinions. She fixed her own opinions. She yeah. didn't have opinions back then. So yeah, because she was only relying on yeah. this uh, Manson. But once they start learning that they could have their own opinions and they choose to keep them opinions then you could judge them but <laughs> but anyway um so this is actually i've heard of this case before but i was never really interested in it to the point i would look into it but i never knew he was racist so like, this whole thing's obviously racist and i was surprised so this is like yeah, when cause black black yeah or was going on and all these mm-hmm. racial wars and stuff it's a lot of racial stuff that's in this or not a lot but like a a good chunk of it is about racial stuff like helter skelter black panther um stuff like that yeah um so he also explained this one thing in the documentary it was he was like so this is the cop talking okay and i found it interesting he said oh my god okay he said, um, he knew that the blacks would win because he seen what would happen in prison. I'm like, hold up, what happens in prison? Like, besides the fact, he was like, he knew they would win and he would preach that they would win, but that they were too stupid to have all that power and then they would hand it over to the survivors of like, the white people <laughs> that survived Helter Skelter. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people um, knew this, because I know we didn't. Yeah. Um, and I think unless you look into it, you really don't know about it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so... We're getting into his first murder now, and I would invite Alexa to explain that, because I'm running out of breath. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, his first murder was the drug dealer. Yeah, the, the drug dealer who was an African-American yeah. person. So, the drug dealer was African-American, um, and it went very wrong. Um, I don't... Do you know exactly what went wrong about it? Was um, it just like... No, what went wrong? <laughs> no, the thing that went wrong was that Manson started to suspect that he was a member of the Black Panthers, and he despised the Black Panthers. I don't know why or what they did to him, but he despised them. I think it's just because he was so racist. <laughs> yeah, no, it it was because... It, it was racist. Really a big part of it. Yeah, obviously it played a big part, because if you hated the Black Panthers, you were racist, but he thought yeah. he was a Black Panther. That's what drove him to shoot him. And ironically, this murder leads to his next murder. Yeah. But, um, oh, um, and by the way, the drug dealer was not part of the Black Panthers. Yeah, so <laughs> he wasn't. Um, and he just shot him because he thought um, that he was. And after that, he had hired um, a bunch of like off-duty policemen. I think it's... No, it wasn't... Okay, he just hired a bunch of people to come and hide, um, hide out and like um, different places around the ranch. Uh, yeah, the ranch that he was at. Wait, Wait no, no. Okay, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> first, you're right, but, like, first we have to discuss the thing that led up to the police. So, because no, he, he had done it right after, and the only reason he, um, okay. he hired those so people was because of what the No. No. Remember. Okay, so this is what happened. <laughs> Gary Hitman tried to bail him out when Mason got arrested. And the police was like, oh, okay, whatever, you know? But when they repeated that name back to Manson, he started, quote-unquote, getting squirrely on us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the police officer said that. So based, okay, so the drug dealer didn't die. He was super injured, but like, he <laughs> didn't die. Yeah, Harry Hinman was the first murder victim of the Manson family because what happened was that in July 16, 1969, they attempted to extort property and money. <laughs> and he was like, no, are you crazy? Let me go. And so they stopped him and smothered him with a pillow. And what led the police to suspect the call was suspicious is that ordeal with Hitman bef before he was even murdered was how he was getting antsy around him and stuff. So the police would look out for them. They would like go surveillance the um, call and they would try to send policemen in, but they would not accept people they did not know. So he would send people like above the mountains to watch the police guys. And they were, Barbara, one of the survivors, she was like, oh, I thought it was fun. They were watching us, we were watching them. It was like a game. Mm. Yeah, so that's what happened with the um, police officers um, and when they start suspecting him. <laughs> so, yeah, Harry Hinman was a victim of the Manson's family and all for money and property, which they never got, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, and on August the 8th, 1969... This is what I have on my notes according to the documentary. Manson launched a series of crime hoping it would be blamed on the black 
community? Uh, first of all, murder is, I couldn't find a lot about that, but I do know that the guy that he had murdered, he was convicted for first of all murder, as we said before, um, and it was August of 1969, mm-hmm. um, and the guy that he killed was Donald Jerome Shea. And they called him John, Donald Jerome Shorty Shay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why I couldn't find anything on that, but yeah. Um, and that's all I have on that. Wait, uh, what year was that, murder? August of 1969. Oh, uh, okay. So that was two years after the drug, not drug deal. Um, that was two years after he had gotten let out of prison. Okay, the so... The first time in 19... 19- yeah. 67. After that murder is when <gasps> oh, sorry, I'm laughing. I'm <laughs> okay. Um, the Tate La Bianca case. Or oh, yeah. the Sharon Tate case. Okay, so basically what happened was Robert Burbridge is a police officer and he responded to a call at Celio Drive. And when he <laughs> Arrived at the scene, he's there were five actresses, including 26-year-old Sharon Tate, that they were found dead at the home of Sharon and her husband Polanski. And FYI, Polanski did not do it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So the husband in this case did not do it. Surprisingly, right? I know. Like, if, if any criminal shows have taught me anything, it's always this spouse. It's always the husband or the kids. I don't know why, but like it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Or if the guy cheated, then it's the wife. But. Okay. So during this murder, Sharon Tate was eight months pregnant, and when I was researching into what they were saying during the murders and everything, <laughs> Sharon was begging for her life so she can give birth to her baby, which. Allegedly was due two weeks later from when she was killed. And didn't she actually actually have to deliver the baby um, dead? Yeah. Oh. They could, I think they get the baby out of you. Yeah, because you can't... Yeah, because yeah, the baby can't just stay inside the mom. So yeah, I think yeah. she had the baby after she had died. Yeah, which is like sad. They cut it out her stomach because you know there's no way for it to come. Yeah, out. she can't push. Yeah. Okay. Um. um I'm doing yeah. that because it's disturbing. Anyway. <laughs> um. At the crime scene, at all the crime scenes, there were words written in pig's blood, which I don't know anything about the pig's blood. <laughs> um. If they lived on a ranch, then they probably had animals coming in. Oh, okay. Because I think the documentary said that they lived on a ranch. Okay, you know what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, they lived in this forest. Okay. So, the detective on the case was Detective Sergeant Mike McGain was assigned to the case. And um, I'm laughing right now. I'm not looking at the series because I was remembering one of those podcasts I watched. And this one dude insisted that he was called Master Detective, and I just got it hilarious. <laughs> um, hey, if we could, could we link that, like, in the 
Yeah, yeah, no, for, for sure. sure yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so any podcast we talk about, we'll try to link them in the description of the episode. Yeah, so he was assigned to the case, and on the scene, Mike finds wires that were cut in a car park about Center Drive. <laughs> and it's, it's said that exact way. I don't know what that means. I don't have a car. But, um, yeah. And in the car contained the body of student parents. Steven or Steven? Um, I think they pronounced it Steven, but I don't okay. know. It was Steven Parent. Steven Parent was 18 years old, and he was leaving the residence the residence after visiting the property. <laughs> the visit um, visiting the property's caretaker. Detective mm-hmm. Mike, when he went inside, he discovered the body of Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and we we can insert the press conference. Um, yeah, we can insert that. I think sort of towards the end. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay. We have a lot of stuff to cut out. <laughs> okay, um, um, so yeah, and... So, Sharon was at this, Sharon was doing at the house where she was renting the Bel Air home, and Jay Sabring was a celebrity hairdresser who has been visiting. They were both stabbed and tied together with a rope that was tossed over a rector in the house. Mm-hmm. While Detective Mike is going over the house, he also discovers the body of Abigail Folger in the back door. And also Wojtek for Fajkowski. Abigail was 24 years old and she was a coffee heiress. Um, uh-huh. She was like a house guest, basically a friend of the Polanskis. Um, she was also stabbed multiple times. Um, Wojtek has been struck with the gun they use. So that's how he died. <laughs> Um, Polanski was in Europe at the time when all this happened, and Polanski again is Sharon Tate's husband. Mm-hmm. So there's your proof that he did not do it. Um, yes. I'm pretty sure they only clarified that he was in Europe just so we're not like, mm-hmm, I'm pretty sure he had something to do with it. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so because my mind always goes there because that's usually what happens. But um, yeah, which um, it probably shouldn't and not have to me too because like we can't just automatically assume somebody, but <laughs> right? That's what it is. So this is where I'm gonna introduce the clip. So and now we see a lot of blood all over the place, cradles, baby clothes, and that's all. It was very hard to find um, footage of it because it was such a long time ago. But yeah. <laughs> um, so he had a press conference and they did take him into questioning because they did want to eliminate all the suspects. So they did not have to focus on like, um, so they could focus on finding actual leads, I guess. <laughs> and um, he took a polygraph and he passed with flying colors and so since Sharon Tate was a pretty popular actress all of like Hollywood was in a frenzy 
as I mean mm-hmm. it's expected. Um, yeah. Um, and one thing I don't think we mentioned about the um, about Hinman's murder um, is that did we even go over that? Who's Hitman? Hitman. Oh, no, yeah, we already went over that. <laughs> oh, because, okay, okay, that's good. Okay, um, so one thing I don't think we mentioned is uh, Hollywood and, like, people didn't have, like, a very big reaction to that murder. Like, of course, people were sad, but it wasn't until Sharon Tate's case that people really started getting worried and, like, freaking out and stuff. Yeah, obviously they wouldn't so, get as much because Sharon Kate was an actress. She was... Yeah, she, was, she, she had more friends. She had a she was more no. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. She, she was more known than Hinman. So basically. that's the only reason why it sent Hollywood into a frenzy. Um, because they were like, oh my gosh, it's a fellow actress or, you know, a fellow rich person. And this happened to them, and they started hiring security guards, guard dogs, and stuff to protect themselves, you know? Um, uh-huh. So, um... Yeah. And then, oh, okay, so, now I the next murder. I know it was super fast. It, it happened, like, the next night, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it started speeding up. Yeah. Throughout so, all these times. As oh, my super, super, super... If the loving husband, Spencer Reed, would say he started going into a frenzy. <laughs> anyway. We can't that out. No. <laughs> we can do the thing, but like, people are going to click off before they finish the podcast. They're going to be like, you're crazy. <laughs> I know. Should we tell them about your K-pop husband? <laughs> okay. Okay, just to... Get this out of the way for the, like future episodes. Um, I have ten husbands, seven uh, which seven are from are, are from the K-pop group. They're called like Nones, you know. They're called BTS. They're amazing. And living my life. Um, I don't like them though. So. Don't be triggered. Um, number eight is Justin Bieber. Please don't click off. We <laughs> love you. We <laughs> appreciate you. I'm just, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> right, okay, so my eighth one would be Justin Bieber, Edward Cullen, um, and my ninth, I mean, my seven, eight, nine, yeah, my tenth one would be Spencer Reed, and then, like, I want to say ten husbands, but in reality, I have, like, sixty, so, but I, I'm just well, not really more names. Yeah, this is my, like, main. One set. One set. Okay, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Oh my god, it's a bad. <laughs> okay, um, the next day, another murder took place. Uh, a businessman named Lino Leno LaBianca, La yeah, I remember that one, and his wife Rosemary were stabbed to death in their home. It was a total of 196 stab wounds. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay. trying to see. And- there was um, a message with pig blood. Yeah. So, one thing I want to point out is I don't think people understand how much effort it takes to stab somebody. Right, yeah. No, like, even no. twice. It takes a lot of work. So, 196 times is, like, 
okay. full body workout. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate I his... that's, that Now that you brought that up, um, later they do mention, I didn't take notes on it, but that the girl who was stabbing one of them hurt her hand because it went through the bone and she was like, it was annoying. That's all she said. Oh my God. And, um, but yeah, usually when there's that many stab wounds, it's usually something personal. Yeah, so like a crime of passion. And I don't think they said anything about them being related in any way. Because they're not. So that's how you know they were just like not mentally stable. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing is like it's and I don't want to go too deep into this because I know some people get triggered by this stuff. Try to like make sure that somebody is okay if they seem a little bit off. I don't think you really have to do with stabbing anyone, but if they just seem like, um, if there's, if, if, okay, if it's a classmate or a peer or whatever, or a co-worker even, and they start randomly coming to school or work late, or they start not doing their job or school very well, like, try to talk to them about it. Yeah. Yeah, just, because it's not going to hurt anyone unless they're, like, psychopaths and they stab you, but they probably won't. (laughs) Uh, no promises, no. But yeah, just like try to check up on everybody, okay. uh, anyone who seems like that. You don't want anybody hurting This yourself. episode is getting like super long, so we're going to move along and talk a little bit, uh, a little bit more about the case. Um, so. Oh, and then we have to talk about like all of like his wives, parents, etc. Um, we'll probably so, put it at the end, just like super short. Though. Yeah, okay. just like talking. Yeah, okay. Just mention. Yeah, he had wives. Okay. Um. Yeah. These. Um. Despite their efforts with a massive police investigation, police were not able to find a perpetrator. Did I say that? Okay, I probably did. Um. So they are like looking, searching. Everyone's in frenzy. Hollywood's even more scared because only been at night they wake up and they look in the news. Is someone else died? Um, yeah, the nine o'clock news, and you see somebody else is dead. That's not good. Right now, I'd be totally scared. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. So this is when the police get a strange call that a woman has confessed that her and a couple of friends. <laughs> I hate how they use that word. Okay, um, they're not friends, but okay. No. <laughs> they got a strange confession from the girl, and that was the girl, oh, her name yeah, Susan so, Atkins. Yeah, it was, 21, it was 21-year-old Susan Atkins, and she confessed that her and a group of friends had done it. Yeah, and the police described her as, like, being super nice. Yeah, and... What one of the police officers who was, or I don't know if it was, yeah, I think it was police, um, who was there with her is, he said that if you knew her at the time, you wouldn't have thought, like, it was, it didn't seem like she'd be able to commit a crime that right. bad. Um, talking um, about she was supposed to be really nice. Yeah, um, on our website, we have this quote we found, and it was from, I think the Zodiac was it? Um, um it was from... Uh, it wasn't the Zodiac, but, you know, guys, if you want, you can go to our website. Yeah, okay, it was from someone. Okay, I don't like the end, but I like the beginning. So, basically, what the quote was saying was, 
Whether you're serial killers, they're your siblings, they're your parents, they're your grandparents, and more of your relatives are going to die, or something like that. So I like the beginning, not the end. <laughs> they started off as a regular person explaining how anyone could be a serial killer, and they ended with saying, I'm going to kill your family. Uh -huh. But like, that's okay. He had to, at first, he had to regular human thoughts, and then he just... Yeah. I just want to uh, do a serial killer thing. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so it was um, Ted Bundy. I'm on the website now. Uh, it was she's on the quote, 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 and she's okay. going to read it correctly. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, so, okay. This is on the website, so like, again, self-promo, go to our website. Um, <laughs> and there is a trigger warning there, so, yes. Uh, there too. But basically, Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy said, and I quote, We serial killers are your sons, we are your husbands, we are everywhere, and there will be more of your children dead tomorrow. Right. Um, um, so, started off good, ended on a bad note. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't really start off good. It started off okay. Okay, yeah, it was like some Shakespeare, but I'm just saying, like, it's something to acknowledge that I don't know, my cat could be from outer space in a serial killer. He probably is. He's probably an outer space sub cat. No, don't scare me. <laughs> 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 I'm going to bed. Okay, um, um, yeah, oh, on that, uh, uh, lock the doors at night, please. Like, <laughs> right. um, that's pretty obvious, but like, don't be the person who dies first in a horror movie. Yes, don't be that person. You won't be remembered. I swear. I always yeah, you're that. You're gonna be that one annoying person who just like doesn't listen to anybody. So right. Like, you're be that one person that sacrifices yourself, and then the girl's gonna be ungrateful, or like the boy, or whatever. The yeah. No. <laughs> like in that situation, unless you're best friends or family, like even family, but like don't sacrifice yourself. Don't be heroic. Oh, okay, okay, so, um, sorry about being heroic, um, if you ever see someone in a situation where they need help, don't be a hero, and what I mean by that is be a hero, but don't be a dumb hero, don't go and try to stop it, because then, don't go and punch the guy in the face if you can't punch. No, well, even if you can't punch, don't do it, because he have a gun, he could yeah. have a knife, he could have a taser, he could have pepper spray. <laughs> Yeah, um, anything. If, but if, if you could end up dead, and that's not going to do any good. Both of you could end up dead. Both of you could end up dead. So what you do is you walk away, act like you see nothing, call the police. Call the police. That's all you can do. Yeah, you can do. Um, yeah and, and that's like. Also, with that's being a hero. Being, being dumb is not going to help anybody. Yeah, and trying, and I feel like a lot of people who try to go in and punch the guy, slap the guy, kick the guy, do whatever to the person who's the um, criminal in that situation. Um, I feel like those people are just trying to do that for attention and the news um, and stuff like that. No, and I get that there are people who don't, but like, in from my understanding, I've had a bunch of people at school who try to be heroic and stuff. And they do just do it for the movie. Yeah, I don't think, and, like, no, okay, so I don't know. 
at all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's like some people like that, like the majority of them, I'm pretty sure they were in a situation, they were not thinking clearly, and that's why they would do dumb heroic acts. Hopefully that's why. Because even, like, even if you don't die and you win, you can get press the charge presses charged on you they, they yeah, you you. the criminal yeah. while they're getting trials for whatever they were doing they could sue you to pay for their lawyers okay yeah and like and they actually could though yeah because they didn't okay so technically that, if they didn't have a weapon no if because you even if they did have a weapon you weren't the one getting you were gonna die. It was whoever you were trying to help. It was whoever you were trying to help, yes. So, okay. okay. So, you are not like threatening situations. Let's get back to the story. You're probably gonna cut some of that out. We can probably it in. Okay. Um, um, what are the important parts then? <laughs> okay, so she comes so, upstairs. They describe his yeah. eyes. Just a summary. Um, <laughs> um, they said that she didn't seem like the type of person who would do it. Yeah, she that's why we got says. into that whole rant. Anyway. Yeah. Um, just to sum up, in August 16, 1969, actor Shannon Tate and six others have been slain by a, the killers of a young group of kids and their leaders, Charles Manson, and also, um, let me go get their names because I can't pronounce them, I'll have to look at them. Also, Rosemary <laughs> and Lino La. Bianca? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, she confesses and it starts the whole trial. Now, if I didn't do research, we wouldn't have any facts on the trial, but, like, I have a bunch. Yeah, a bunch. So, appreciate us, please. Yes. <laughs> Thank Subscribe, review, whatever you have to do. Okay. Yeah, please. <laughs> let, me, let me find some info because i have it on like a whole different website like and okay. also this is while we're doing that this is our first podcast ever um right um so, so again, we're probably gonna get into a little bit about our podcast and us but like yeah that's so on track. <laughs> hopefully if we have enough time and we don't take five million years to just finish up right. what we're talking about now we'll be able to say a little bit about ourselves and you can go look at the trailer um, yeah. we posted a couple of days ago. It's only um, for three minutes of our craziness, it's, though. It's only, like, two and a half minutes or so, but, like, it gives you a little bit of detail. And our website also has a lot about us, so. Okay, and so. <laughs> back in our thing, um, in the documentary we watched, they didn't tell us why they were arrested in the first place, but I mm-hmm. found it. I'm sorry, I have bad memory. <laughs> Girl. Oh. Sharon Tate and her friends. Oh, yeah. Who do you think was arrested? The dead people? Wait, you mean Atkins? Yes, Atkins. Okay, whatever. Because Sharon Tate was the one who died. Yeah. Charles? No. I thought you said it was the one who died because you're like, who got arrested? Who else? (laughs) The dead people? Okay. Susan Uh, Atkins. What are you saying? I'm putting all this out. Anyway. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Anyway. Charles Manson and his family were not arrested for any of the murders, but they were actually arrested on suspicion that they had vandalized a portion of Death Valley National Park while they were hiding out in the desert. Um, yeah. So, 
1969, the country sheriff had taken them into custody, not realizing that they were involved in the murders. But it was through the confession of Susan Atkins that um, led to them realizing that they were the murderers. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and when they were in court, they were cult members. So if Charles Manson would show up one day in court with a cross on his forehead, they would do it the next day. I don't care if he wrote circle, he wrote, I ate my poop today for lunch. They were going to do it. Yeah. But, um, poop yeah. sugar warning. The poop sugar warning. I know some people don't even like the word poop. Uh, yeah. yeah. And some people have a poop fetish. So, like, we want to include everybody. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. That's a thing. Uh, okay, anyway. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> okay, um... Who? <laughs> oh my god, okay. Oh my god, okay. Um, <laughs> on that note, we can't be laughing this much. We're talking about murderers. Okay. You know, but we'll just edit all this out. Okay. Van Houten, who was just 19 when she took part in the La Bianca killings, alleged that Manson had taken advantage of her her vulnerability and dislike for her mother, which is actually true. He did it, but, like, she is still responsible for her actions. Yeah. Okay. And obviously, she was in the right state of mind enough to be like, Ayo, I'm arrested. Uh, he did this. It wasn't me. I didn't actually do it, you know? So she, yeah. was, she was well enough to realize that she was doing something wrong. Right, and, right. And that's all you need for trial. Okay, um... And, um, while she was in prison, she applied for parole two times. She won in 2006 and won in 2010, and she was denied both times. And Susan Atkins admitted in the initial confession to fellow prisoners that she wanted to cut out trigger warning, Kate's unborn baby, but didn't have the time. She also revealed... (laughs) That she and her followers, I mean, Manson's followers, not hers. I'm pretty sure she was, like, a big leader, though. Um, she wanted... Like, cold Manson. Yeah. She wanted to... And Manson wanted to kill other Hollywood stars. And on the list was Elizabeth Taylor and her husband, Richard Burton, Frank Sinatra. Dang, you can hear Okay, Steve McQueen and Tom Jones. Susan, <laughs> wait, did I already take screenshots? Oh, hey, yeah. Um, when asked why they wanted to kill celebrities, Susan replied that Manson wanted to commit murders that would shock the world and make people take notice, which he did by killing the actress. Cause yeah, that he succeeded. To notice. Yep, which sucks, because you shouldn't only start to panic when it's someone of more importance. Not even importance. They have more money than you, period. So, someone, so. someone of more... They're like, wealthy. Yeah. wealthier, more known, stuff like that. Beautiful. I don't really care. It's just wrong. But anyway. Yeah. She actually was really pretty, though. She was, though. I've seen her. There will be pictures of, like, everything crime scenes. On the website, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the trial began in June 1970 with lawyer Ronald Huge for the for Manson and Van Houten. Huge soon dropped the dropped Manson as a client 
because he felt he could not convince the jury that they were innocent, which is a smart move. I wouldn't want to defend um, a serial killer either. <laughs> um, yeah. And what you do? Um, I think there's anything on that. Oh, okay. So obviously, like you said, X. If he were X, they would wear X. And you know they make the case worse. By throughout the trial, they would often giggle and exchange glances with Manson, enjoying no remorse for the crimes. And yeah, so when that's that's yeah. why I actually oh sorry go. No. Okay, yeah, um, on January twenty fifth, nineteen seventy one, Manson was convicted of first degree murder for directing the deaths of Tate Le- Tate LaBianca victims. He was sentenced to death, but this was automatically commuted to a prison after California Supreme Court invalidated all death sentences prior to 1972. He spent his life in bars because he has passed away. Um, <laughs> Barbara, like I said earlier in the podcast, she was granted immunity for um, doing her thing. I mean, being a witness, and no, that's basically all. But what I want to say is, um, how he got life sentenced. Charles Manson was such a narcissist. He thought it was like a sign that he's gonna get out of prison, and he knew he was never gonna die. And you know, um, um actually, about that, um, and that is a good point. I think he was very, very narcissistic about that. Uh, but I think what also, like, helped his narcissism and ego is that, um, it was original, it was originally gonna be, um, it was originally gonna be death by gas chamber, um, in the San Quentin prison, or jail, um, and... It got reduced to life in prison because the Californian Supreme Court thought that it was unconstitutional. I just said all that. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, he it fed his ego when it was changed from death to life because he was like, oh, they can't kill me. You know, I'm God. <laughs> I'm in yeah, hell. because he did think that he was God, the devil. Everything he, yeah, he thought he was everything. He thought he was just like the most powerful being in the world, right? In his universe, so, like he did end up in prison, so he never got out. Um, yeah, so he, never got out. Um, he died in 2017 um, at 83 years old. Yep. So, um, yeah. So this basically ended the episode. Um, never um, got out. Yeah. They're all um, still in prison if they are still alive. For all the yeah, episodes, Manson died. Um, that's the end of the episode. But she, we want to go into his family life a little bit. Yeah, not very much, but I just have a couple notes here about his family. So, he had two wives. Um, their names were Rosalie, R- Rosalie Willis. And Leona Stevens. Um, and he had at least three biological children, sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he had a daughter, but I forgot to look at that. Um, but it was Valentine Michael Manson, 
Charles Luther Manson and Charles Manson Jr., who actually died in 1993. I want to find that out. I was like, he died before his father? He must have been so young when he had it. He was so a decent age, but like... So he died when he was 60-something? Yeah. Yeah. So his parents were... Uh, his dad, his biological dad, was Colonel W.H. Scott Sr. Uh, his mom was Kathleen Maddox. And his stepdad was William Manson. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, because his mom remarried. So, basically, um, that's just like his family yeah. leaving. We just wanted to add that, just so you know. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. His kids, and his kids has nothing to do, the kids have nothing to do with the murders, basically. Yeah, not that so. I know of. Because I, I don't know, maybe. They don't. But, <laughs> yeah, but we don't know. Um, no, I'm pretty, you know, it's proven that they don't have mm-hmm. anything to do with the murders. Or okay. his father's actions. So, yeah. it's, I, I just so, want to tell you that yeah. if you are a kid of a serial killer, it sucks and, for you. <laughs> you yeah, and, uh, actually, that brings up another good point, is if you have, um, if you're, like, a teenager or over the age of 12, then I think something says... Like, I don't know if it's a law, I don't think it is, but something says that you have more, like, control of what happens. Like, if your parents divorce when you're, like, 12 or or something, you can choose whether or not, or, like, who you want to stay with. But if you're under, like, yeah, but, a teenager, um, and I wanted that really didn't have anything to do with this, but yeah, I wanted um, to say that you should always talk to somebody that you trust. Right. Um, if, if you have anything going on at home. Yeah. Um, honestly, if someone you trust, and even if you trust a bunch of people and you just don't want to talk about it, talk about it. It helps. You don't want to be in a state where you can be vulnerable to people like Charles Manson. Yeah. And, and when you do get taken advantage of, you are responsible for your actions. Even after that, I don't feel bad for anyone who was involved with the murders. Yeah, they might have horrible backstories, and if... I don't want to say if they have just gotten help, because it's not that easy, but if their peers and people around them would have taken notice, it would have probably turned out differently. Yeah, and they probably wouldn't have joined a cult. Right. Um, um, yeah, so, so just try to go to somebody you know or CPS or, yeah, sorry. Um, um, yeah, just somebody who you okay, trust. that's it for now. Yeah. Okay, oh, so one now. more thing about Charles Manson is his real name. His real name was Charles Miles Maddox. Mm. That's what okay. that is. <laughs> Charles Miles about Charles Manson. Ma- Maddox. Yes. Yeah, so. Okay, so that's it. That's us wrapping up the episode, but we're going to talk yeah. a little bit about ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, please stay. We're interested. I promise. Uh, interesting. Um, we're not, but like, we're going to lie to you. Just we can depend on you. Right? Yeah. Okay, um, well, I'm crazy. So, you um, first. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have delusions, also. <laughs> not about killing people, but, but me, um, Marrying people I'm never gonna meet. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, no. Um, 
I like to imagine when I'm raising them. Obviously, I realize that I'm not, and I probably won't ever be. But I'm very attractive to cute guys. Wait. No, I phrased that wrong. I'm very attracted to cute guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So that's pretty much me. I like books, and I like TV shows. I like K-dramas, Chinese dramas, basically Asian dramas. Thai dramas, Japanese dramas, but you know, I also listen to K-pop, I'm, all I really listen to, I listen to Bomb Over, um, Sleeping Out Last, you know, things like that, um, I'm also very into Disney, and Ooh. yeah, my favorite color is pink, <laughs> um, <laughs> you could, you could tell my like, website, I insisted that there was pink, <laughs> Okay, yeah. um, so, and it's like salmon. Yeah, yeah, it's salmon. Um, I had a compromise. <laughs> yeah, but no, there was no pink. There was no pink, just do it. It looks nice, it looks nice. Go check yeah, it out. Okay. Uh, just go check it out. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, yes. Um, I'm not that interested, to be honest. Um, I like psych- psychological thriller books. Um, like, I think it, the book, yeah. about, the one about Pennywise, for those of you who don't know, um, it, it was, like, a psychological thing, and that was pretty, I really okay, like Okay, like, honestly, if you don't know what it is, you're living under a rock. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're old, you should know what it is, because that's when, like, the books came out. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, let's see, I... Don't I'm not married to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married ten, but I'm engaged to like seventy eight other people. Okay. <laughs> we know about each other. Uh, you know, everyone asks me that question. Um, yes they do and they're all very happy. <laughs> okay, well uh, yeah. So um the type of I like I like all music, especially uh, pop and rap. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Okay. I like. I like Pink. Tone I don't listen to a lot of her songs, but she's pretty good. Um. And. I was gonna say you like pink. I thought your favorite color was black. No, I mean the uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, the same yeah, yeah. on SpongeBob. Uh, yeah. Um and yes, about that though, my favorite color is black, and I have never seen SpongeBob. What? Oh my god! <laughs> You're crazy. Okay, yeah. first of all, SpongeBob is one of my favorite shows. Obviously, I like the older seasons better. I like the art. Um, it just looks more realistic. Um, also, um. <laughs> Not me, I mean, okay. <laughs> but I, I'm very into, like, fairy odd parents and animation in general. But, yeah. So, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just glad that you haven't seen Spongebob. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of things. I haven't seen a lot of classics, like Spongebob, Fennel, uh, The Lion King, stuff like that. Um, But... Let's see. Yes, my favorite color is black. My favorite color is I'm still mad about it. Oh my god. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, I my favorite movie director person is Stephen King. Oh, 
because he's because my favorite movie genre is horror. Uh, if you can't tell, <laughs> um, Elsa's book. Much drama book. and romance. If you can't tell, it's a romantic. To yeah. believe I'm married to like 800 people. But <laughs> um, I really liked The Shining. That was a really good movie. Um, yeah. So I think that's it. I'm pretty boring. Um, yeah, so, um, that's about us, um, so we got uh, a podcast, uh-oh, our website goes, <laughs> yeah, sure, okay, okay. our website goes more in-depth about what we like and stuff like that, and our podcast, and it goes it's it's basically more, um, less, less, um, what's the word, psychotic, no, it's not psychotic, less, um, crazy, less psychotic, no, less, yeah, less crazy, yeah, I don't know that word, uh, yeah, whatever word you just said, <laughs> chaotic, yeah. okay, yes, um, less chaotic, it's more summarized, more professional, but, um, because it is a website, um, I do, if we remember, yeah, um, I do want to mention some of my favorite podcasts that inspired me to start this podcast, and which we will link, yeah, which we will link, um, so Obsessed with Disappeared with Patrick Hines and Ellen Marsh, oh my god, I can't believe I remember her name, oh my god, yes, okay, um, I'm super happy because, like, I don't remember anyone's name other than my own family members, okay, anyway, um, um, also True Crime Obsessed, which is also with Patrick Hines, but with a different co-host, Emily Pennsylvania, Patrick Star. Well, the, I don't know if that's her name, but that's how the theme song goes, so I'm just going to assume it is. <laughs> okay, um, also, Crime Junkie, with Ashley Flowers, and I can't remember the other girl's name. I'm so sorry, it's, it's not because you're less important to me, it's just because I have a bad memory. <laughs> um, okay, like, I didn't even remember, um, Alexa's name until, because I... I had her in my contact list as, like, something that was not her real name, you know, like, just, like, a random thing, emojis, so, then once I changed it to her, um, real name, Alexa, totally her real name, anyway, <laughs> we're, so yeah. Yeah. we're not robots, okay, we're not robots, okay, um, <laughs> so, yeah, okay, so, that's a, I still remember her name, but those are some of the podcasts. I just want to mention them because they inspired me to start this podcast, and also with Rick and Alexa helped me through it, and that's when she decided that we could both do this together. Hey, it, through some ups and downs, though. It was a while. 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 And how did you yes. feel about the case? Can you start shutting off this podcast? Crazy. Oh, by rolling on my thing. Okay, um, so I had emotions. Every you're supposed to shut off in the middle of the Yeah. You should be able to be off. Okay, let's do it again. Okay, okay, okay. okay. okay, okay. I also don't at the same time. I thought I was being bad. Go. Right. Um, so, hey, like, I feel bad yes. if I saw his mom. Can you start turning off the podcast? Wait, 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 wait